I'm Kate Watson. Squeeze the Election, the podcast, is your shortcut to the federal election. Each week, we'll give you the talking points on the policy, the politics, the gaffes, and why it all matters. The Squeeze is a free weekday email and podcast where your shortcut to being informed. Welcome to our first of five pop-up podcasts to mark the end of each week of the federal election campaign. I'm joined by Claire Kimball, who Squeezers will know from our daily podcast. You're a bit of a politics nerd. Hi, Claire. Hello. And Greg Baxter, welcome to The Squeeze. Greg, you're a media and public affairs pro. You've always had a a keen interest in politics. I have, and I think this election is shaping up to be more interesting than um, the last three or four, I think. Well, between the two of you, you've pulled together The Squeeze, the election email every day this week. How are we feeling? Hashtag exhausted. Ditto. And it's only the end of week one. Plenty more to go. In today's podcast, we'll talk through tax and health policies. That's where the two major parties have focused this week. We'll take a look at some of the key battleground seats where our leaders have travelled. We'll also make sure to get you across the missteps and the mishaps as well as some of the lighter stuff. There are some laughs towards the end of the podcast. Starting with the major policy discussion this week, tax in the economy is where it's at. I can sort of feel people reaching for their pause button on their podcast, don't tune out. I know that tax does have a tendency to cause eyes to glaze over or ears in this case, but stay with us because uh, like it or not, this is where the parties are contending for our votes this election. For this reason, Claire, I think it's important we first understand the basic differences between the Liberals and, and Labor's tax policy. Yeah, and as you said in the intro, I am a bit of a political nerd and even I struggle with this stuff, so I'll try and make it as simple as I possibly can can. Let's split it into two things when it comes to tax cuts. So there's the personal tax cuts and pretty much the Liberals and Labor are fairly well aligned about what's going to happen in the short term. And that is that there's going to be this thing called a tax offset, which they're hoping to give us basically a tax discount this financial year and in the financial years going forward until some big tax changes come to the system. But uh, what Labor wants to do is just change it up a bit and redirect some of those cuts to higher income people, give them to lower income people. And really, um, after that, it's about sort of redistributing some of that that wealth focused on the lower end for Labor, whereas what the coalition is saying is that they want to make sure that higher income earners also get a break and that there's an incentive for them to work harder and achieve more. So that's for those of us who are working. Um, Then we've also got the the large population of retirees and that's where we get into superannuation and things like that. The Libs say that they're not going to make any changes to superannuation tax. Scott Morrison learned his lesson on that when he was treasurer. Uh, but Labor wants to make some changes. They've announced that uh, quite some time ago it would take about $34 billion um, out of um, those sort of incentives that go into um, superannuation and the the benefit that they get uh, and, again, redirect that back to lower income earners. And that's probably a, a good time to throw to you, Greg. If people had been grazing the news this week, they might have noticed that Bill Shorten had to do some clarifying on his superannuation policy. He said, um, he said that there would be no new taxes under Labor. What he meant, of course, was there'd be nothing new uh, on top of what they'd already on top of what they'd already announced, um, which is designed to bring in revenue of about thirty four billion dollars. And there's a whole raft of ways that they'll do that, including doubling the tax rate on super contributions for people earning more than two hundred thousand dollars 
and preventing uh, small businesses from claiming super as a tax deduction as they can currently do now. And there are, there are a range of other things that will disappear as well. And that's so, a policy they announced back in 2016. That, that's right. But um, they, they were, he, was, he, was, um, he was caught out on this this week. And of course, the, the, the coalition or, and the prime minister in particular really, really went for them on super. And I think the doubts that have been raised about climate change, you know, have, have left them looking a little tarnished at the moment. Yeah, if you read reports, um, there's been a bit of mopping up to be done by Bill Shorten this week, uh, and that's what you're referring to. Reports also saying that the environment is the number one policy area of interest for voters, particularly young voters, if we move from retirees to the younger vote. Bill Shorten's just been asked to explain what his climate policy will cost. Indeed. He he wouldn't answer questions. He wouldn't answer questions um, about the the economic cost of Labor's climate change plan. And as you pointed out, the the environment and climate change is clearly the number one issue for people under the age of 30. But interestingly, if you look at the ABC's Vote Compass this week, where they they surveyed about 120,000 people, it's the number one issue in almost every demographic across the country. I think, Greg, the interesting thing too is there's been a number of figures thrown at what that cost of Labor's um, carbon policy is. There's one this morning uh, and there were some yesterday from the Liberal camp. So while some of these people are throwing numbers at it, Labor's having to say, no, that's not what the number is and, by the way, we're not going to tell you what we think it is. So it's a difficult thing for them to prosecute at the moment. The other key policy area that's been talked about a lot this week and probably something Bill Shorten would prefer to be talking about is health. Greg, he's um, made a number of announcements this week. I think he's made six announcements in six days this week, all sorts of packages to reduce out-of-pocket costs for for, for patients, invest in machines that go ping, um, <laughs> build new uh, hospitals, renovate old hospitals. I mean, you, you name it, they're throwing, they're throwing money at it. But, but the interesting thing is that the total spending commitment of the two major parties on health isn't, uh, you know, isn't that much different. I think it's, it's about $5 billion, but the total spend we're talking about is up around $130, 140000000000 Yeah, and, and then that's why Claire Scott-Morrison has had some significant health announcements himself this week. That's right. He had something at the start of the week focused on uh, Indigenous mental health and some research there. And today, while he's in Tasmania, he's also plugging a couple of gaps in the northern Tasmanian health system with $25 million worth of support. A quick check now on the minor parties and independents, Claire. Richard Di Natale was in Perth this week. They've been talking about restructuring Western Australia's economy so that it can become a sort of renewable energy hub and really create jobs there and shift them away from their dependence on mining. But um, also heading over to Adelaide and uh, I read this morning that Di Natale is going to be in Albury on Good Friday. So tomorrow. Your hometown. My hometown. My old patch, and he'll be um, meeting that convoy that Bob Brown is um, sending from Tasmania up to the Carmichael mine site where Adani is looking to develop a big coal mine. So, wouldn't have thought there'd be a lot of media around Aubrey on a, on a Good Friday, but um, no doubt he'll be giving that a good shake. I'm sure they'll find some and more about Adani across the coming weeks, I'm sure. And Greg Pauline Hansen's been relatively quiet this week. <laughs> She, she has. I think uh, she's just come back from um, some medical issues, but I, I think the One Nation mm. in, the, in the, one of the polls earlier this week showed that it's 
primary vote had dropped by about 50% to just 4%, four percentage points. And, and I think the, the Al Jazeera um, a scoop that filmed the two One Nation mm. people negotiating with the National Rifle Association in the United States uh, has done them some significant damage. Interesting, though, Greg, um, Pauline Hansen's spin on that this week is that she says it's actually driven membership to the party. So, you know, it's all in the spin, isn't it? Always. As far as Clive Palmer goes, he's announced he will be running for the Senate. And, of course, on independence, Tony Abbott's seat of Baringa is a constant source of news. Plenty of others around the country, which we cover off in the Squeeze the Election email, of which you should all subscribe. We'll talk now about uh, where our pollies have been this week. Where they go gives you a good indication of where they think elections will be won and lost. Claire, starting with you, both leaders kicked off the week in Victoria, particularly seats in outer Melbourne. Looks like we'll see a bit of both leaders down there. Give us the, the lowdown on why. Well, the why is that Victoria is a particularly uh, fraught state. It's a key battleground. There's lots of seats on that uh, very fine margin um, line. And really, uh, even though the Liberal Party took a real thumping in the state election last year, there's a number of seats that it really has to hold on to. So Labor's in the hunt to pick up some of those and the Liberals are trying really hard to hang on. And Greg, there are three seats in Tassie, Brad and Bass and Lions, all were won by the Libs in 2013, but then lost in 2016. As Claire's already said, Scott Morrison was down there quite a bit, still there this week. Tell us about Tassie. Look, it's a it's a fascinating state, uh, the bellwether state, um, you'd call yeah. it. Uh, sometimes elections have been called quite early in the evening based on what we're seeing out of uh, Tasmania. 1996 was probably the best example when John Howard essentially had the keys to the lodge in his hand by six, about six o'clock that night. Um, there are five seats, three of which are marginal, and these seats regularly change hands. In, in, the case of, in the case of Bass, it's changed hands eight times in the last nine elections. Uh, in Braddon, the, the most recent polling is suggesting that, that the Libs can win that back. Um, it's, and it's a seat where we had a by-election in 2018 because, of, because the, sitting, uh, the sitting MP had a Section 44 dual citizenship issue. The Libs invested very One of heavily. many. Yep, the, the Libs invested extremely heavily in that campaign and and did not win it. So they they see big opportunities to claw back some seats, which, of course, we know they need to win at least four. Um, Tassie could be a place where they, um, you know, that bears some fruit for them. Yeah, don't expect to see them much in Hobart, though. That's definitely um, a safe independent seat at the moment. Um, we'll have a look at other parts of the country next week, and if key, key seats are your thing, um, we'll be giving you the who, where, and why of the key marginals uh, in the email each day, and have a look at that also on the Squizplain section of our website. While we're talking about the Squeeze the Election email, we have a section in there called Behind the Campaign Curtain that gives squeezers a bit of a look at how the campaign sausage is made. Given your background as a press set, Claire, I'll throw this one to you. We're talking this week about the travelling press pack. I was chatting with a squeezer who asked me why the journos are constantly saying in their TV crosses on Twitter, etc., that they don't get a heads up on where they're going whilst travelling with their respective leaders. Why are they left in the dark? 
Yeah, it really is the magical mystery tour if you're one of the travelling journalists with the leaders' campaigns. There's a couple of things at play. One, probably the most mundane one, is security, and that's because the police who travel with uh, both of the leaders, but particularly the Prime Minister, don't want to give anyone who might want to cause harm to them a heads up on where they're going to be. So that's one that, thing. And that's the reason that the uh, press sex would be giving to the journos. <laughs> yeah, it's a good excuse, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> the second, of course, is you don't want to give your opposite number much notice of what's happening with your campaign or what you might be announcing. And that's because uh, in this day of instant media um, coverage, whether that's on social media or online or with crosses into TV where every single thing is uh, looked at and dissected. Um, You don't want to really give much of a chance for your opposite number to respond quickly. So it's all about a game of timing and trying to limit the time that others have to comment on what you're doing is really one part of the sort of tactical game that plays out during a campaign. There's your little insight to that strategy. If there's anything you've ever wondered about a campaign, how it all happens, shoot us an email at election at thesqueeze.com.au. We'll see if we can answer it across the next five weeks. Moving on to a section of the podcast I'm going to call Who Said It? I'm going to throw you a quote from the week and you can tell me who said it and the context in which it was said. Let's start with this one. I don't. You guys need a buzzer or something, I think, but we'll just see who jumps in first. <laughs> That's such a bubble question. I'm going to leave that one in the bubble. Nope. Yes, Greg. <laughs> that, that was my buzz. That was my buzzer. Um, it was. It was Scott Morrison. Uh, it was, and he was. He was. Uh, he was asked about. I can do that bit. He was asked about why Malcolm Turnbull is no longer the Prime Minister. Yes, that's right. <laughs> that's ha- half a point each, I think. For that half one. a point each. All Thank right, you. half a point each. It's not as bad as I thought. Maybe it can take off. Oh, oh, I've stumped them. You have. Maybe it could take off. It was Senator Matt Canavan biting into an onion. Oh, about the onion. Yeah, wasn't that a ripper? Greg, want to tell us what happened? Well, he he decided for um, reasons that I don't think he'll he'll ever get to the bottom of uh, in, (laughs) in his in his career that he would emulate Tony Abbott biting into an onion, which wasn't a great wasn't a great moment of political media uh, in the first place. So, um, and and as we saw, as we saw in the squiz, it, it was an episode that completely overshadowed uh, what the government was trying to prosecute that day. Yeah, it did certainly steal some headlines. That's for sure. All right, last one, or maybe maybe the second last one. We'll see how we go. Good morning, Mister Shorten. You've had twenty four hours to think about yesterday's answer. <laughs> Jonathan Lee, Channel 10. It yes. was his second go at Bill Shorten over his refusal to answer questions about how much his carbon emissions reduction plan would cost. Yes, that is exactly right. Well done, Claire. Finally, I'm a gay vegan cyclist. What more do I have to do to score 10 out of 10? <laughs> I love this go, one. Go, Greg. Come on, Greg. Simon Thompson, a Sydney Green, uh, was given a um, a very a modest score, um, I think, on Common Sense or something like that by Tim Blair in The Telegraph, uh, and he made the statement about being a vegan cyclist. So 
Uh, I think to their credit, the Telegraph changed his score upwards to something like about 9.5 out of 10. Yes, no, it wasn't common sense. It was um, a score on smugness. <laughs> Smug, that's, that's right, yes, that's right. Just to add to that, I love the addition as well that he has a dedicated bar fridge to some kombucha that his lesbian friends make for him. And welcome to the election, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> it's, only, it's only week one. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for tuning in to our first episode of Squeeze the Election, the podcast, if you found it useful. You might like to sign up to our Squizzy Election email, as we've mentioned. It comes out Sunday to Thursday at 5.30pm and sums up the day that was on the campaign trail. A link to subscribe is in your episode notes. We'll be back next Friday with our second edition of this pop-up podcast. If you've enjoyed it, please let others know. Share it on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, email, wherever you do your communicating. Thanks, Claire. Thanks, Greg. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great weekend, everyone. We'll chat to you next week. The Squiz is a free weekday email and podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. Sign up at thesquiz.com.au. This week, our podcast is brought to you by Aware Super. As one of Australia's largest profit for member super funds, they have a range of helpful tools, like their My Retirement Planner, which allows you to see how much you'll need for retirement and provides an easy to understand plan of how to get there. And better still, it's free for all. Read the PDS and TMD at aware.com.au.